There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, it's hard to believe it's Friday already, but this is our Friday edition of the podcast. We're still in Psalms at chapter 6. And we're going to be in verse 5. I'll begin reading the Psalm 6. I'll read the introduction, read down to verse 5, and then touch on a couple things doctrinally in this passage. To the chief musician of Neganoth, upon Sheminith, a psalm of David, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, in the grave who shall give thee thanks? Today as we look at this psalm in verse 5 is the focus of what we'll deal with, with the Lord's help, and simply this thought, for in death there is no remembrance of thee. In death there is no remembrance of the Lord. When this body goes down to the grave, this body can no longer serve. This body can no longer be given to the Lord, a living sacrifice. Why? We've died. Death has come. Our life is over. There's nothing left on this earth for us to do. Everything that we've settled has been settled before we've died. I've marveled in the Old Testament. As saint and sinner alike would prepare themselves for death. Ahithophel went and put his house in order. Jacob called his sons unto him, prepared himself to die, gathered himself uh, into the bed, and gave up the ghost. And you see other the saints of God in preparation to die. Then you also see wicked men. You see men in the Word of God that prepared to die, knowing that uh, what was to come was an eternity and a Christless hell, knowing that what was to come was damnation. Even the heathens today joke about it, the celebrity heathens and the reprobates. Uh, that you hear on the television and movies, they mock about hell, and they mock about them going to hell. They write songs about themselves going to hell. Death is very real. Death is very severe. Death is permanent. And you and I need to be prepared for that day of our death. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Now in Moses' law, Moses simply said in the word of God, Whatsoever man that be of the house of Israel, the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. Why? Leviticus 17.11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. 
Now, I don't want to take that out of context. I realize he's talking about the life of the flesh of animals. There is a, a flesh of animals. There is a uh, flesh of man. There's a flesh of other living things. And I realize he's speaking, but might I say the life of the flesh, the life of man's flesh is in the blood. It's the blood, and you understand the makeup of the blood that brings the oxygen, takes out the impurities. It's a purge and it's a cleansing. That blood courses through our veins. And so that life that we have is in the blood. Harvard University said this many years ago when they studied death, and I guess they interviewed living people that had seen death, and they talked to doctors, and they kind of came up with a synopsis of what death was, and I found it quite interesting. When they simply said this, it's unreceptive and unresponsive. You can't respond. You also cannot receive. And then it said, no movements, breathing, or reflexes. And then the third element that describes death is a flat electrical brain activity. We use that term today many times. People say they're brain dead. Someone's on life support where the blood courses through the body and the air goes into the oxygen, rather goes through the blood. But yet that person, their mind has no electrical activity coursing through the brain. They're not responsive. They don't think. They don't have the ability to think. They're clinically dead. And so man has defined what death is. Men have studied death now for 6,000 years. Death is that great equalizer. Death is that thing that puts us all at the same level. Uh, Again, it's said oftentimes you don't see the armored car following the hearse to the graveyard. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the male, the female, they all alike die. And when we die, what the decisions we made on this side of eternity will be the decisions that will last. And might I say to you that our preparation in this world, our preparation is for death. It is for the grave. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 6, the word of God tells us this. Or even the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And so the Word of God tells us the dust shall return to the earth. Of course, it's referencing uh, the, the creation of man. It's referencing what God has done with man. The Word of God said in verse 26 of Genesis 1, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That's what the preacher is referring to in Ecclesiastes. God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so now man has become a living soul. A man is going to give an account for that soul that has life. And the grave is the great equalizer in life, but the soul of man is the most important thing that we deal with in this life. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Word of God asks us. And they're on the marketplace of, of trading, the marketplace of bidding, the marketplace of lust and covetousness. Men barter for their souls. Many years ago, 
in the street preaching ministry. I actively deal with the homeless ministry in Baltimore, but often street preach. And I'd preach on that verse, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And then I'd ask the question, what shall a prophet of man if he shall gain the whole world, but lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And I remember many times in the night hours walking those streets in Baltimore across the convention center and down by the central rescue mission and up behind the dark park behind St. Mary's Cathedral and talking to those folks and asking, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What would you give in exchange uh, a little bit more lust, a little bit more adultery, a little bit more pornography, a little bit more booze, a little bit more dope. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? And I've marveled over the years at the responses people would give of what they exchanged for their soul. Just that little bit of pleasure like Esau had, just that little bit of lust like Esau had, something so temporal, something so short-term, yet seeking that short-term fix, they gave an exchange for their soul for the temporal things of this life. And yet most men in this life have made that exchange. They've already bartered for their soul. They've already taken the money. They've already taken the finances. They've already taken the lust of the flesh. And they've already bartered their soul away. But God made man a living soul. And might I say that soul is going to return to God one day. And the Bible tells us in the same passage, in the same book, over in Ezekiel 18 and 4, all souls are mine. And the Lord is very serious about the soul. All souls belong to the Lord. And the Lord has called all souls his. The reason the Lord calls all souls his is because he made man a living soul. Whether man curse him or mock him or reject him, might I say that God still made all men a living soul. He said in Ezekiel 18, 4, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And then he goes on and he says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And we have an understanding that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's that ongoing tense. That's that soul that has sinned, that soul that is sinning, that soul that will continue to sin. It's that soul that will not submit to Jesus Christ. And as the dust returns to the earth, the spirit returns unto God that gave it. And that person's soul, that soul will stand before God in judgment. That soul, my friend, has already made the choice. That individual has made a choice to damn their soul, to redeem their soul to the person of Jesus Christ. James said in chapter 2 of verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so James gives us a little bit of understanding of that living soul. And he said, as a body without the spirit is dead. When the spirit departs and goes back to the Father, that dust returns to the earth, that individual is declared dead. What they have done in this life is finished. What they've accomplished in this life is complete. They'll have no more chances. They'll have no more opportunity. They'll have no more words to speak. They'll have no more works in which they can perform. Their life is over. Their soul, my friend, has either gone of one of two places. Their soul has either departed and gone to hell, or their soul to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Their soul is in Jesus Christ. 
And might I say, friend, as the Spirit returneth to the Father, as that body goes down to the grave, returns to the dust of the earth, that soul, my friend, can be in the torments of an awful place called hell without Christ. The Word of God tells in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 13, A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. And so she is enticing him. She's bartering for his soul. She's making an exchange for his soul. In death is no remembrance of the Lord. Why? Because a man has exchanged his soul he sold it like Esau sold it simply for that bowl of pottage. Man has sold his soul for just a little bit of pleasure on this side of eternity, that pleasure of sin, which is but for a season. We see that same woman in Proverbs chapter 7, that her guests are in the depths of hell. In Proverbs 7 and verse 27, said her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. And so we understand that that's where her house is. Who? It's that churlish woman. It's that clamorous woman. It's that woman in the attire of a harlot. She was wooing men. She is drawing men. She's using her eyes to try to seduce men. Why? Because men might fall to her devices. Men will fall to her sin. Men will fall and make that exchange for their soul, and their soul will ever be damned. There'll be no re more remembrance of Jesus Christ. For as that body without the spirit is dead, might I say to you, friend, when that spirit departs that body, the soul again goes to one of two places. I cannot stress enough to people, cannot explain enough to people that once this life is over, once this life is past, every decision you make concerning Jesus Christ is permanent. It'll never, ever be changed. It'll never be disannulled. It'll never be erased. What you've done with Jesus Christ, you're either secured in Jesus Christ through the precious blood of Christ, or you'll be damned by Jesus Christ for rejecting the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. He that hath the Son hath life. That's what the Word of God tells us. But he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And might I say, friend, that life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. That life which we live is in the blood of Jesus Christ. When he said, my flesh also shall rest in hope, he was resting in hope of the resurrection. When Jesus Christ was the Holy One of God, was resting in hope, that Holy One did not see corruption. Why? He was awaiting the resurrection. The body of Jesus Christ that it speaks of here in Psalm 6 did not return to the dust of the earth. That body of Jesus Christ was God's body. It was the Holy One of God. You and I will return to the dust, but that Holy One of God, the body of Jesus Christ, God's flesh laid in that grave and did not see corruption. I've said many times it's not cliche and it's not foolishness. It's not clamorous on my part, but the worms came in and the Bible tells us very clearly that that's what they had to do. They had to bow the knee to the body, the Holy One of God. The, the bacteria came in and they saw the Son of God lying there and they knew that it was God in flesh. They knew that was God's body. They knew that was God's flesh. It was the Holy One of God. He did not see corruption. He said, neither was my soul 
soul left in hell. Why? He was awaiting the resurrection. There was a hope of a resurrection. He believed God that there would be a resurrection. His flesh also rested in hope. And might I say, friend, to be absent from the body for the saint of God is to be present with the Lord. That is the hope that the Lord has promised us. You see, death is one of two things, and it all hinges on the fact of saved or lost, in Christ or out of Christ, having the Son or not having the Son, and being part of Jesus Christ or having rejected Jesus Christ. And it makes all the difference in the world when death comes. There's no remembrance of the Lord in death until our soul is present with the Lord. And to be absent from the body, what a joy. What a victory for the saint of God. But to be absent from the body and to be lost is to be absent from the body, is to be absent from the presence of God for all of eternity in the awful place called hell. And might I say to you, friend, as we close this podcast, I pray some of you listening, you may not know if you're saved or lost. You may know you're not saved. Would you consider the things we've said this day? Death is imminent. Death is real. Death is forever. Death is severe. Death will not uh, let you out of its clutches when death comes. It'll eternally be too late to make that decision to turn to Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. What God requires, that's what God needs. Thank you for tuning in this week. This closes our Friday podcast. Lord willing, we'll return on Monday and see what the Lord has in store for us out of Psalm chapter 6. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing the